Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Obviously, you're not, not your first time to Arkansas, and uh, but first time for this group. But I remember uh, if you have the shot of uh, 2016, I think is when your dad first spoke to us. And here he is. You can see me and Keith Ingram down there cracking up. I don't know. I think he was telling the story where Dan Hampton almost broke his nose uh, when he was a backup at the Minnesota Vikings. So that was 2016, of course. Eli, a couple years ago, uh, I thought it was interesting. It was the 20th anniversary of the seven-overtime game. Uh, but you probably wouldn't recognize Matt Jones over there with that beard. I would not have recognized Matt. <laughs> uh, but Eli did a great job. And I'd also heard that you uh, you love to duck hunt. And I know that th- this is a shot from somewhere unknown here. But you, you love over, to duck hunt here? Over in Stuttgart, yeah, uh, last, uh, last winter. So I have duck hunted down in Arkansas uh, several times. Always great to be here in Little Rock. Uh, people have always been... Very nice to me here, and it's, uh, it's, it's a real honor to be back. I, I heard that somebody told me a story that uh, you had signed an autograph. I don't know if it was for Joe Klein or for somebody. It was somebody you knew. And then on there, you put Peyton Manning, and you put this uh, graphic next, uh, this number up there next. Is, <laughs> is that true that you put that underneath your name when you signed that? I feel like that, that he asked me to put something kind of different and special on there, so I, I put my record against Arkansas. Uh, uh, <laughs> on the football so it's a it's it's a one-of-one collector's item there so i'm going to show one play just one play that's all the highlight we're going to just give give me the one shot i think this was 1990 uh probably 1995 it's just so this is one of the passes watch how perfect this pass is from peyton here and they do well manning wants to go deep has a man out there at the 15 touchdown tennessee and that is Joey Kent, the young man we were just talking about. That was that was 1995. Uh, that was in Fayetteville. For some reason, we, our, our coach couldn't figure it out. He kind of used it as motivation that Arkansas scheduled us for homecoming that year. And uh, we sort of took that as a little more motivation. But I remember they asked Coach Ford, Danny Ford was the head coach, uh, before the season, he said, Coach, um, it looks like uh, Tennessee and Florida will probably be the best teams in the conference this year. And classic Danny Ford line, he said, well, shoot, son, don't take no scientific rocket to figure that out. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, that was one of my four times playing against uh, Arkansas. My senior year, we played them right here in Little Rock uh, in a good football game as well. Not to go back and be negative for us Hog fans, but I was looking at your numbers. So you were 4-0, as you mentioned, 94, 95, 96, 97. That 95 game actually put you on the map nationally. That's You threw for, uh, I think, 385 yards, four touchdowns. That sort of was the breakout game for you. That, that, was, a, that was a good football team. Joe Lee Dunn was our defensive coordinator who we just lost, and Coach Cooper, Barry Lunny was the – uh, was the quarterback. Uh, it was a it was a good ball game. Uh, and like I said, I feel like every time we played Arkansas, it was a tough game, especially that one here in Little Rock. We, I think we had to come back in the fourth quarter to beat them that night. Well, in those four games, you combined it, though, for 12 touchdown passes, 1,200 yards for a combined score of 172 to 88 against the Razorbacks. Okay, maybe it wasn't as close as I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, uh, the other thing I, I wanted, to, a couple other local connections real quick, is that, you know, I was showing Peyton all of our awards up there. First one, Cliff Harris. Uh, a guy that um, went in the same weekend you did in the NFL Hall of Fame. If you got the next picture, this is, you know, Cliff had waited so long, Peyton, for this. And uh, the next picture there shows I'd watched you. He told me he was so appreciative because you, you were so engaging. You were going in on Sunday. It was a combined years. 
but just the fact you took the time to talk with him reflects his own cliff. Well, Cliff's obviously uh, the same era as my dad. My dad played against the Cowboys a lot. The Cowboys were such a great football team. My dad went on a USO tour uh, with Cliff Harris uh, in, in the mid-'70s, and so uh, great to see him honored there. That, that, that was a no-brainer decision. Um, in my opinion, it took a little longer, like you said, than it should have. But uh, that was a fun weekend for both of us going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, that weekend, here's a great shot of you and your dad that uh, obviously, the, the, the obvious, you know, can't have, be a bigger moment, I would imagine, uh, of having your dad there with you. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people pick coaches. Uh, a lot of people will pick a relative to uh, introduce them and present them. But, you know, my dad's had the greatest uh, impact on my life, but especially greatest football impact, even though he never coached me. Uh, his rule, uh, David, was if we wanted his help, I had to go and ask him to come and help us. And he was glad to do it, but it was never him coming to us. It was never him pushing us and pressuring us. And I think because of that, football was always fun. We always enjoyed it and uh, just appreciate appreciated his approach to kind of how he raised us. He was very present in our lives. Uh, he was at my Little League baseball games. He was in the stands at my youth basketball games. Uh, I know he said no to some things that would have probably kept him away from being a part of his kids' lives. And I've kind of tried to follow that same advice in this second chapter for me. I'm still very busy. I do way too many commercials. I apologize. But I'm the offensive coordinator on my son's youth football team. I'll be at my daughter's volleyball game tomorrow, and uh, that's important to me to be a part of my kids' lives, and, and my dad was a great mentor that way. Speaking of that weekend there in Canton, I was there, and uh, it was the first weekend, I believe, you know, where you, you guys were restricted in, in how much you could talk. Now, your comedic time is amazing. I mean, you might as well, I don't know how you learned and, and how you, you know, do what you do, but this is just 60 seconds from uh, Peyton's speech. Now, remember, before that, you could get up and speak as long as you wanted to. And there were epic speeches until this year. And this is Peyton's first reaction to that. There you go. Tonight's speech is an all-time hurry, hurry. The 2021 induction class wants to thank those previous inductees who gave long-winded acceptance speeches, forcing us to have a whopping six minutes to recap our football careers. I want to give a special thanks to my old rival, Ray Lewis, for being here tonight. Ray just finished giving his speech that he started in 2018. Next year, accepted speeches will probably shrink to four minutes. And speaking of rivals, my good friend Tom Brady is here tonight. By the time he is inducted... By the, by the time Tom Brady is inducted in his first year of eligibility in the year 2035, he'll only have time to post his acceptance speech on his Instagram account. <laughs> great stuff. It was, uh, it was a great weekend. Yeah, let's give a round of applause for that. That was one of the best speeches we heard that weekend. You know, speaking of other Hall of Famers that we have here in Arkansas, Peyton, obviously you got Cliff Ferris, uh, Dan Hampton, uh, and Willie Rolfe, uh, any thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, Dan Hampton, obviously, uh, that Super Bowl that the Bears won was down in New Orleans, and uh, I was nine years old. I went to that game, and I was just thinking about kind of wanting to play quarterback, and after seeing what the Bears did to the Patriots that day, I kind of decided I might not want to play quarterback. Willie Rolfe was you know, probably the best player on the New Orleans Saints uh, for such a long time. 
Um, I can remember watching Willie Rofe run at the combine. Nobody had ever seen an offensive lineman move that fast. Actually got to play with him as a teammate when he was with the Chiefs, played with him uh, in the Pro Bowl. And I was thinking if I could have one player I could take back to the Colts with me, it would have been Willie Rofe. Uh, he was that good. Two great guys, and obviously we honor them with this, with, at this club. Uh, Derek McFadden, we do that. One of the reasons I want to bring him up, uh, you and Darren have something in common. Obviously, uh, Heisman runner-up, very close, twice for DMAC. And uh, I, I was wondering, is that something that, that, that you know, you're laying there in bed one night, and you just all of a sudden, you know, really? You know, does that, 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 that Woodson got, first defensive player to ever win the Heisman. Does that ever get in your crawl a little bit? You know, I, I was disappointed because I really wanted to win for the University of Tennessee. Tennessee, an uh, incredible history, has never had a Heisman uh, Trophy winner. Had four runner-ups, uh, Hank Larsella, Johnny Majors, Heath Schuler, and myself. Uh, Hendon Hooker uh, was probably on track to win it last year until he got hurt. So, yeah, I think you want to kind of win it for your school. But, look, Charles Woodson was an incredible player. Uh, Charles and I just couldn't shake each other. Uh, we were the same Heisman class. We were drafted uh, together, played 18 years, the same amount of time, went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame together. So I just can't get rid of Charles Woodson. He's always been right there. But obviously he had an incredible career. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the only thing is, is that I wish I could have won it for the University of Tennessee. Uh, two other guys, and we'll move on. Uh, one of my old teammates came on, went on to be one of the great Denver Broncos of all time. We call him the Smiling Assassin, Steve Atwater. What a class act. And, you know, when I saw him, Peyton, I'll never forget when he was a freshman, I remember telling my buddies that this, and that dude's going to make a lot of money one of these days. Just not only was a great player, but, but a great guy. No, he's been a great guy. He's been a great ambassador for the Broncos. He works in the community relations, and uh, great to see him inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I still think about that famous hit he had on Christian Okoye. Yeah, you yeah. can still hear the yeah. hear that hit. So uh, Steve's a good friend and uh, proud to be living in Denver with him. And I had a chance to visit with you about this. Last here is obviously a guy that's very iconic in this state. His name is Brandon Burlesworth. Uh, you were drafted number one in 1997. Brandon was drafted the following year. Uh, went to camp. Went to rookie camp for a few days. And I know I you know, didn't have much time around him, but was killed tragically, I think, 15 days later. Just any memories from, from being, running across him? Yeah, that was a tough deal. Um, Brandon was a captain in that game um, against Arkansas in 97. It's a picture of he and I at the coin toss. And I remember Bill Poley and our general manager telling me about this guard we drafted from Arkansas that, that he thought he would be a staple of our offensive line. And Bill Pulliam was one of those guys that when he drafted you, uh, he wanted you to, to be there for 12 years. He was not looking to get a couple years out of you and then move on. He wanted to build a foundation. The majority of my teammates played for so many years, and so Brandon was going to be a big part of our plans to build our offensive line. And, um, yeah, um, he was tragically killed in between kind of OTAs and minicamp. But what a great guy. You could tell uh, what a great spirit he had about him. Uh, you know, you know, the glasses, you know, kind of fooled you a, a little bit. He was an intense competitor. He was going to be a great player for us. So uh, that was a tragic deal, and I thought some prayers have been with his family for a long time. Of course, the Burlington Trophy goes to the top uh, player in America that begins his career as a walk-on, yep. so it's neat to be able to continue to honor him. I mentioned Walt Coleman was here. Um, so, Walt, if you, go to the, if you go to Canton, you walk around the, the, the bowels of that, they do have a section for referees. And it's a very unique list. I think, uh, Walt, 15, 20 uh, referees that have refereed in the NFL for 30 years. And our Walt Coleman is one of those. Very proud of that. And that's worth a, a, a tremendous round of applause. So last year, I brought in John Gruden. 
And, you know, John Gruden does not like that man right there. He does not like Walt Coleman because, obviously, you remember the tuck rule and all that. So it was really sort of neat on stage to see Gruden try to be nice to him um, <laughs> and Walt trying to be nice. Uh, so Walt was talking on our show one day about something uh, very special to him that involves you. Walt, come up real quick, grab a mic, and, and uh, I want you to share. Give it up for Walt Coleman, everybody. Uh, thank you very much, David, uh, for the opportunity to uh, be here. I was privileged to have the opportunity to referee Peyton's games. Uh, I was fortunate to work the 2004 AFC Championship game between Indianapolis and New England. Unfortunately, uh, Tom Brady won that particular uh, matchup. Uh, but, and you know, as, as an official, we're not that uh, well thought of by um, too many folks. Um, we're not very well thought of by coaches, players, uh, any of those. Um, and in my 30 years in the National Football League, I probably refereed 25,000 players in, in my NFL career. I, I probably worked games that include 25,000 players. When I retired from the National Football League after the 2018 season, I received one congratulatory note from a former player. One congratulatory note. That congratulatory note was from Peyton Manning. Peyton, now, you know, we all know what kind of football player he was. But I mean, this tells you the type of person that he is, a real person. A handwritten congratulatory note from Peyton Manning to a guy that wore a striped shirt. Unbelievable. Peyton, thank you very much. Thanks, You remember any calls that he had to get, the, <laughs> any particular calls? Walt was great. Walt had a bunch of our games uh, uh, every single season uh, playing for the Colts, and it seemed like it was a lot of those big games as well. Uh, funny story about that. Um, we were playing, um, I was playing for the Broncos, and um, we played a game against the Dolphins, and this head linesman, it wasn't a head official like Walt, but it was a head linesman, made the worst holding call I'd ever seen before. And I absolutely just, I lost my cool, and I, I just, I let him have it, and I felt so bad. I knew this official. This official used to call my games in college. I've known him for a long time. I used to talk to him before the game, and I lost my cool. I let him have it. We ended up winning the game. So I tried to find him after the game, David, to apologize. But as Walt would tell you, after the game, those referees, they are running out of the stadium. <laughs> so I actually called the NFL office to get this official's address because I wanted to write an apology letter to him in the NFL. They wouldn't give me his address because they thought I was going to like go to the guy's house and like vomit. Like nobody apologizes to an official. So I'm glad Walt got that letter. Uh, you know, you obviously you're no longer playing football, and you know I was you know wondering how you would be connected to the game, uh, but you hit the ground running. You know, I think I'm busy until I'm just reading about you. One of the things I want to mention before we get into some of the the obvious things like Omaha Productions. I saw just in the last, I guess, month, you're now officially a faculty member 
of the University of Tennessee featured expert in the UT College of Communication and Information. You're going to be a professor. Professor Manning, yeah, everybody. Yeah, How about easy. that? Yeah. Uh, my brother Eli said it's an easy A for sure for these <laughs> students. Uh, it was, uh, the article was a little bit embellished, uh, David. I, I'm a guest lecturer uh, a couple times a year. I think the article made it sound like I'm moving to Knoxville and going to be a full-time professor. Uh, we, we still live in Denver, but I actually uh, taught my first class last week, and I really enjoyed it. I had one of my professors who's still there in the College of Communications who teaches a class on public speaking. And so he and I kind of did it sort of like you and I are doing. He kind of propped me up with some questions. And uh, it was about 45 students, all seniors. And uh, I really did enjoy doing it. But uh, it's just kind of a part-time thing. But you were talking about being uh, sweating so much, the air conditioner didn't work in the building. And I was sweating profusely. I think these students thought I was pretty nervous, but it was really just because the air conditioner didn't work. I truly felt like I was back in college, but uh, it's been a great way to stay close to the University of Tennessee, which is an important place to me, not just through the sports program, but through the College of Communications. And so, uh, but I gave them all an A so far. <laughs> you can imagine, uh, man, you imagine being a student and the kind of information that you could get from Peyton Manning. That's what a, what a blessing to those students who get to be there. Uh, you know, Omaha Productions, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Omaha again the word Omaha in a minute, but Omaha Productions, man, you're knocking out of the park with the Manning cast, which is now in its third year. Ratings have been great. Uh, the new hit, you know, docu-series quarterback on Netflix, that's part of your work along with NFL Films. Just talk about the things you're doing and, and sort of how when you left football, what you wanted to do. Yeah, I know it's been fun uh, to be a part of something uh, that I don't maybe physically have to be sort of the, the centerpiece or the quarterback of. I, I can sort of be the offensive coordinator on the sidelines, uh, but, but still part of a team. Uh, we're in the content creation business, and we try to create positive, uplifting, unifying content that celebrates hard work and community. And we think there's a lot of positive stories to tell that sort of fit that criteria. We think sports is a great way uh, to bring people together. Uh, the Monday night show that Eli and I do, um, I keep Eli employed. Uh, so. Um, <laughs> We are, um, we're all set to do it again. Um, it's, uh, it, it, unfortunately, you know, the, you know, during, it's hard to say that something good came out of the pandemic, but so many things being done remotely out of the pandemic, including broadcasting, that's kind of how the idea got, got born, uh, David. And, and uh, Eli kind of thought that ESPN was joking. He said, wait a minute, let me get this straight. You want to pay me to watch football with my brother from my house? Uh, he's like, I know I went to Ole Miss, but I'm, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Though. So, uh, so that's how we do it. Um, Eli does it from his guest house in New Jersey. I do it from my neighbor Scott's garage uh, in Denver. Uh, all that equipment kind of stays there all year. So I asked Scott if I could borrow his car garage. But uh, we're all set to do it this Monday. We're kind of the B team. We're on ESPN2, um, and we have guests on that the number one criteria is that they have to love football and from all different walks of life. And I love being around people who love football as much as I do. Last year we had President Obama, diehard Bears fan, Condoleezza Rice, can break down a covered two defense as well as I can. Snoop Dogg has been a youth football coach yeah, yeah. in Los Angeles for years. He's had a huge impact on a number of young men playing football. Now these guests are on via Zoom, right? So Eli and I can see them kind of during the commercials. There's a little more smoke coming out of Snoop Zoom. 
than there is out of Condoleezza's or President Obama. But that's okay. They all love football, right? And we're all coming together. So uh, we're set to do it again. But, yeah, uh, Omaha, it's been fun for me. Uh, David, I think what I miss the most about playing is being a part of the team. And I kind of find myself on these different teams. And it's been fun to sort of be a part of the Omaha team and give other people a platform to kind of tell their stories. I think uh, the, the first Manning cast was, was Baltimore versus the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And this is the first play. You knew this was going to be a hit. This is the first play from that game, and yours and Eli's commentary real quick. I think the first play tells you a lot about what the season's going to be like. John Gruden likes shifting motions. Let's see what the Raiders' season's going to be like. This is going to tell me everything I need to know. All right, incomplete. Okay. What does that tell you? Looking at 6-11. Uh, 6-11 and 11. Six and 11 right now. <laughs> And I think you were right. <laughs> I, think that, I think I was. I think that might have been generous, actually. Uh, what about Netflix, the quarterback? Yeah, it was fun. Last year we were part of this show called Quarterback, which basically took viewers behind the ropes on, on what it's like to be an NFL quarterback, what quarterbacks do during the week on their off days. And we followed three different quarterbacks at three different points in their careers, uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, Marcus Mariota, and, and Patrick Holmes. And it, it was just uh, – uh, it, I appreciate those guys stepping up and kind of allowing the access. Nobody's ever done that during the season. And our promise was, because I played the position, that we are not going to be a distraction. We are going to just be a fly on the wall. And just we want to document just kind of what it's like for a quarterback. And, uh, um, you know, we're, we're hoping to do it again this year. In fact, my pitch to the quarterbacks for this year is, I guarantee if you do it, you will win the Super Bowl and be the MVP of the league like Patrick Mahomes was. <laughs> Uh, but people have said they have enjoyed, you know, people didn't know much about Kirk Cousins, right? He's a great dad. His wife packs his clothes before games. On Tuesdays, his off days, he doesn't watch any film, takes his kids to school and goes to the library and reads. And uh, so it's just neat that there's different ways to play the position. And it, it was fun to take the viewers kind of behind the ropes and showing what it's really like to be an NFL quarterback. Well, you're certainly knocking it out of the park, everything you've done. And I think I saw where the agreement with ESPN and now um, – uh, Omaha Productions is looking at possible, you know, college uh, football, U UFC, and other areas, too. Yeah, it's been fun. Like I said, I mean, Eli and I do the Monday night show, but we, we, we do some other, we call it an alternate broadcast. We're doing some other alternate broadcasts and other sports that I'm a part of. I don't physically have to be, you know, sort of the center of, and I enjoy that part of it. Of course, Peyton Places, obviously, is, is a home run, too. Great stuff there. You know, you mentioned those quarterbacks, and you and I were talking. Um, you know, you played in the league a long time. And uh, physically, uh, do you still are you still dealing with effects of those? And uh, maybe going back, looking back, what are the, some of the guys that really laid the wood to you that maybe you're still feeling today? Yeah, uh, I, I probably have normal aches and pains, I guess, that most most uh, you know former players do. Uh, yeah, I kind of alluded to the guy that hit me the hardest in that video earlier, Ray Lewis, great linebacker for the Ravens, big, strong, smart, fast, instinctive. I always thought he kind of knew our plays. A little bit so uh, and so when he kind of hit me David he kind of like he'd have this running start and he would kind of hit me and sort of drive me into the ground and kind of use me to help him get up and whisper in my ear I'll be back here in a couple minutes punk uh, he's a very friendly guy uh, when he retired it was one of the greater days of my life uh, I mentioned playing in a Pro Bowl with Willie Rofe I played in a few Pro Bowls with Ray Lewis and it was supposed to be kind of this relaxing week in Hawaii celebrating your season and I wasn't over there relaxing I was buying Ray Lewis's dinner his drinks 
I bought him golf clubs one year, kind of hoping he wouldn't hit me as hard come next October, but he never seemed to remember. So, yeah. uh, uh, Any other part of the game, you, you, you know, you think about all the teammates that you had. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, it, I, mean, I don't know how you keep up with all of them, but what great memories just from your teammates. Yeah, I played with so many great teammates uh, in Tennessee, Indianapolis, uh, and Denver. And that's what I miss the most uh, about playing uh, is that bonding with your teammates. We're on a group text together. We're in a fantasy football league together. But you don't see each other uh, every day. And uh, I've lost some teammates. Uh, Demarius Thomas, a great receiver for the Broncos. We lost him last year. Uh, and so we started, try to stay connected. But... Football, it is the ultimate team game. I mean, it is the ultimate form of bonding, camaraderie, and fellowship. Uh, I miss the plane rides uh, after a win. Uh, there's nothing quite like being on a plane with 53 of your friends after this hard-fought victory. The adrenaline, the emotion, you really can't describe it. I tell people all the time, next time you're on that flight, and that flight attendant says, this plane cannot take off. Everyone is seated and your cell phones are turned off. That is not true. Uh, <laughs> That is an absolute lie because uh, after an NFL game, I'm telling you, everybody is standing up. They're high-fiving and hugging, and they're on their phones, and that plane takes off just fine. So <laughs> I miss the plane rides is what I miss. Uh, I know you're expecting this, Peyton. Um, again, brilliant marketer that you are. And, I don't. again, I played football for a few years, obviously, at Arkansas, but uh, Omaha. Now, so, so for those that may be here in this audience that don't understand – where Omaha comes from. We've got a clip. This is from one game, and you were just, you're going to listen to Peyton behind the center saying Omaha. We'll just listen for a second here. Them touchdown passes. Being Thomas, most of it being Thomas after, but instead, the ball was moved. Omaha! Omaha! The first two games. Peyton's right side. These are different plays. For the touchdown. So, so as we could go on, I think it's 44 times that, uh, that it was counted Omaha. So tell our audience about Omaha. Yeah, so Omaha, first of all, okay, when, when a quarterback audibles, right, that's when he changes the play at the line of scrimmage based on what the defense is doing. He usually to, to either get out of a bad play or to get to a really good play. And usually when you audible, uh, you do it with just a few seconds on the play clock because the defense – finally sort of tips their hand, and you see what they're doing, and now you want to change the play. And so Omaha was simply a kind of an indicator word that meant we had changed the play, and there was just a few seconds on the clock, so the ball needed to be snapped now. It was a rhythmic three-syllable word, Omaha, snap the ball. First off, the reason you can hear what's being said is really about the time I got to Denver, about 10 years ago, the NFL turned those microphones up louder to bring the television viewer at home closer to the game. Great for the viewer at home. Not so great for the quarterbacks. Because we found out that defenses, guys like Ray Lewis, they were watching the television copies of the games we had played the week before and picking up on all of our offensive verbiage and terminology that we have worked so hard to kind of protect, and now we're just broadcasting it out to all of our competition, right? And so it was a real disadvantage. I mean. Look, there's a reason these guys are playing defense, right? There's no geniuses over there, right? So, but you, uh, but you give them the plays, and they kind of know what you're doing. So, it, 
I used to go to the broadcasters, the Jim Nances and the Chris Collins, where I'd say, can you turn those microphones down? And they wouldn't do it. And my one regret of all those years of playing it, instead of saying Omaha, was to get up there under center one time, David, and go, Blue 20, Blue 20, Jim Nance is a no good, you know what, son of a mother. I think they want to turn those microphones down. Just never had the guts to do it, but uh, Walt would have put a big penalty on me for doing that. So anyway, Omaha was an indicator word. There was no real rhyme or reason. It was a three-syllable word, and uh, all, all I can tell you is I'm a big deal in Omaha, Nebraska now. I went there a couple years ago. I got the key to the city. Uh, I got some stakes out of the deal. So if you have a company and you want to get some viral marketing, try to get it into a quarterback snap count. That's a good way to kind of... Expand your business. It worked. It worked. Uh, one of the things I've really enjoyed, uh, Peyton, the last three years is that Greg Hatcher's son, Lane, has been one of your quarterback instructors down at the Manning Passing Academy. For those that really don't know uh, what what is happening down there, I just want you to talk a little bit about that and really not more about what's happening with the camp. I love the fact that this is a commitment that you've made, your dad has made, your brothers have made, and this is not something where you're not engaged. You are in there every second. Uh, and I think it's wonderful because not only are you in, in, impacting those college quarterbacks, but all those young quarterbacks that are there to learn. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. Um, when I was a junior in high school, I went to a camp called the Bowden Passing Academy. It was a camp that Bobby Bowden ran with his sons, Terry Bowden, Tommy Bowden. And uh, it was a great camp. And my dad got to visit with Coach Bowden when he was recruiting me later that year. And Coach Bowden said he loves this camp because it's a guaranteed three days he has with his boys every single year and he thought they were teaching young quarterbacks the right way to play the position so my dad kind of took the idea and it was we called the manning passing academy we just finished our 28th year that we've had it and it's a high school camp for anybody can sign up it's not a you know a recruiting camp by any means it's for eighth graders through 12th graders quarterbacks receivers tight ends running backs for high school kids but we have college players come and serve as counselors. And in return, Eli and I will help those quarterbacks, like Lane, with their you know, goals and any questions they have about playing college football or possibly playing pro football. So you name a quarterback in the NFL right now, he has probably been through our camp. And it's a great way for us to get to know these guys. So it's a double pay it forward. We're uh, you know, helping the college players. We're helping the high school players. Uh, I love the you know the position of quarterback, so it's important to me. But it's four days that me and my two brothers, uh, Eli and Cooper, get to be with my dad. We stay in the dorms there at uh, Nickel State University in, in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Uh, classic freshman dorm. You know, not a lot of high cotton living uh, at, at Nickel State. So uh, it's a fun way to uh, uh, to be with your brothers and your dad. Yeah, very humid down there too. Who it was uh, a great job there. Yeah, you would sweat a lot down there. <laughs> Yes. Uh, speaking of family, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, I saw you engaging with Cliff Harris. One of the other things I watched, I was sort of watching you walk around. You had your boy there with you. I, I don't know how old he was at the time, but I noticed you introduced him to every young man. And, and uh, I know that's an important part of your life. I don't know if people ask you about it, but, but as crazy as you are, I know that's important, and especially being able to do some of the unique things that you do with your son. Yeah, like I said, I had a great mentor in my dad. Um, my dad, like I said, uh, he was very present um, uh, in our lives. And, uh, you know, I've tried to take that same uh, approach with our kids. Ashley and I have 12-year-old boy-girl twins that are in seventh grade right now. And uh, I just felt my dad was a good teacher uh, in that regard. It was a good documentary on my dad several years ago, kind of telling his story. He lost his father 
when he was in college and had a big impact on his parenting philosophy, telling us he was proud of us, telling us uh, that he loved us. And I tried to do those you know, same things. Uh, it was a well-done documentary, David. I personally think it showed a few too many crying videos of me <laughs> as a three-year-old. Um, at what point do you think you stopped filming your three-year-old son getting kicked in the head by his older brother? And maybe go out there and help the kid, you know. No, 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 I got to keep filming. This might be a documentary one day. So besides that, he's been a great dad. But uh, no, um, you know, you know I, think the, I think the thing that people uh, make a mistake on is they think my parents had some mission to raise quarterbacks. And I really think uh, that they tried to raise just normal kids. And, and maybe that's why I ended up working out. It was not a plan by any means. And so uh, had a great, great mentors that way. Uh, it was a fun way to grow up. Uh, Cooper and Eli and I, my parents always said, if you ever want to disappoint us as parents, just don't get along with your brothers. Maybe one way to really kind of let us down. I'm not saying we didn't fight and argue like brothers do, but we always had each other's backs. And so uh, I've tried to instill that in, in our kids. You know, they're twins. Uh, they, they have a bond like no other. But, uh, yeah, try to include them in, uh, in as many things as possible like my parents did because it, it was a special way to grow up. Was it fun? I know high-profile uh, Cooper Sun Arts obviously was in the big recruiting deal with, with you know, ended up going to Texas. And it's different than it used to be when we were getting recruited. So was that interesting as a family just to sort of watch that? Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm his uncle. Uh, I, I just tried to be a resource to him when he, you know, had questions. But by no means was I going to uh, try to recruit him to, to go where I went. Uh, you know, his other uncle is just too cheap to pay any NIL money for him to go to <laughs> Ole Miss. So... Uh, that's why Ole Miss didn't get him. But, uh, uh, you know, Cooper, my brother, uh, was a great wide receiver for me when I was in, in high school. When I was a sophomore, he was a senior. I completed 120 passes that year. I threw 90 of them to my brother. And, uh, and he goes to Ole Miss, and, and, he, and he has this neck injury and has to give up his career. And um, that was tough, the way he handled that adversity. Uh, boy, he had a really good attitude about it, uh, had a great faith. Um, he wrote me a letter saying, I want to live my dream of playing football through you. So I always kind of remember that and kept that with me. <clears throat> so, you know, so for him to kind of have this full circle with his son being so highly recruited, it's been, it's been really cool. But uh, Cooper, you know, really been successful in business, got a great family, couldn't play football, but became a social legend at Ole Miss, if that makes sense to anybody in here. Uh, so he definitely made his mark still. Uh, last thing here, we'll let you go because I know you've got a meeting you need to be back at. But, um, you know, looking through, you know, trying to decide, you know, just to try to learn and see what all Peyton Manning has done, it's pretty amazing. You ever sit back and go, wow, man, what a, a you know, amazing life. And the different areas, like this is one of my favorite deals that you, you did. And uh, the people that you've been able, because of your success, be able to be around. This was a, and I know you know what I'm talking about. This was a uh, ESPN bit with uh, Will Ferrell, and um, obviously I'm a huge fan of Will Ferrell, and obviously Peyton is doing this bit, but even Peyton can't contain himself. And I was just, just thinking, what an amazing opportunity to do this kind of segment. Just watch. This is just por a portion of it at the very end here. Bingo, and that's why Peyton Manning is the best in the biz. Peyton, before I let you go, a lot of attention has been given to you and your two brothers, uh, Eli. Uh, is it Eli or Ellie? <laughs> Eli. Oh, Eli. Eli. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, so a lot of attention to, your, to, to you and your brothers, Eli and Cooper. 
Uh, but few people know about your the fourth Manning brother, uh, Danielle Manning, who is currently playing strong safety uh, for the Texans and is African-American. Tell me a little about Danielle Manning. Well, Ron, uh, I hate to break it to you. Yeah. Um, there is not a fourth Manning brother named Danielle Manning. He is a heck of a football player. I've played against him a lot, but uh, we are not related. Okay, well, good to know, and someone here at Espen in the research department is going to be fired. <laughs> Espen, so I just got to ask, I mean, your, your life's been so amazing. You know, you, you find yourself working with Will Ferrell. Yeah, you know, for, for a football player to, to take your helmet off, you know, football, it, it, those of you know, you know, sometimes when the media sees a football player, you know, laughing on the sidelines, that means he's not focused, right? He, he doesn't have his game face on. So for a, fo for a football player to be able to take their helmet off, and kind of laugh and show that they, they can laugh at themselves. And uh, uh, I've I, I never taken myself too seriously. I like to laugh at myself. I like to make fun of myself. I always thought that was good in a locker room, right? Uh, if you're going to dish it out, you better be able to take it well. So, yeah, that was, that was uh, you know, Will Farrell kind of wrote that whole script, and he kind of just told me sort of what to say to kind of prop him up. But, but doing things like that and, you know, I hosted uh, Saturday Night Live years ago. That um, uh, it's it's funny. Uh, this one skit we did, where I was throwing well, you, these footballs. You, you, you want to see it real quick? Oh no, y'all have that one too. You got. You got oh, listen, wow. listen, watch okay, about great. thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. The last thing we'll let him go. Thirty seconds of that. That should be uh, number eighteen. Helps create childhood memories that will last a lifetime. Just keep biting down. It's looking good. It's gonna be there forever. As well as skills for life, such as assertiveness. That's 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 good. That's good. That's good. That was actually we had the beginning of it. But that, yeah, what a great job it is on SNL. Well, like I said, in this skit, it, it lives on YouTube, unfortunately, so you can see it easily. But it, these footballs were Nerf footballs, and the, the, the footballs weighed nothing. But you put those sound effects, it looks like you were just knocking these kids out. And the, the, the director said, Peyton, you're a charitable guy. This is a spoof skit for the United Way. That's why it's going to be funny. But you got to be all in. You got to whack these kids right in the head. And, and you know, as a matter of fact, the theme of it was United Way. Spend time with your kids so Peyton Manning doesn't. And, and so, you know, the, the kids' parents, David, were out there the whole time. They were watching. That was very uncomfortable for me. And I finally told the director, I said, I, I said I'll go up to the edge. This feels slightly over the edge. You know, the parents are watching. I just don't feel comfortable. He said, no problem. We don't have to do it. And right then, we, right as we were about to cancel it, one of the parents of the kids runs out onto the set and tells the director, I want him to hit my kid in the face. <laughs> and I said, I will do it. I will knock your kid out. So uh, these... Uh, these kids are, uh, you know, that was 2007. These kids are in their mid-20s now. And I got a, uh, uh, got a letter uh, uh, last year that th this kid, Jack, who was the kid I kind of hit on the way to the portalette, uh, <laughs> one, one of the best throws I ever made, actually, uh, was getting married. And would I do a little video for his wedding? And my video went something like this. Jack, you know, I threw a few touchdowns in my life, but for the most part, when I walk down the street, people recognize me because you let me hit you in the face for the football. Thank you for putting me on the map, and best wishes for eternal happiness. 